Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Is it recording? I think it is. Let's do this then, shall we? Hello and welcome to In The Pocket, the bass guitar podcast where we get the low down on the low end. My name's Johnny, a totally average bass player, and each week I'm joined by a different co-host to talk all about that bass. This being the first ever uh, podcast in the series, and even, you know, it might be the only one. We'll see how it goes. Who knows what will happen with this? We're just going to start it and see what happens. Each week I'm going to be joined by different guests. This week, because I wanted to test things out and I don't want to embarrass a guest if it turns out to be really rubbish. (laughs) So the guest is just going to be me. I'm just going to be talking to myself, bouncing off of myself. I mean, it's a great start when there's lots of noise outside. I don't know if you can hear that. Anyway, normally, uh, this is the bit where I would talk to the guests, find out what they're doing with their lives. You know, are they a professional bass player? What is their favorite bass? Blah, 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 blah talk all about that base to them. Um, and I'm going to do that by talking about three staple questions to that guest each time. This podcast isn't so much an interview with that person. It's a little bit, but also I just want to get some different opinions uh, each week on the different questions that come in and the different news items we look at. So we'll talk about the structure a bit later on. So These three questions I'm just going to ask myself because I'm sat in my room by myself. I can see my cat Panda looking at me. She's just gone to the toilet. It stinks really bad. So bear with me if I uh, don't make it through this. So anyway, first question is the three words to describe your bass playing. For me, I think... I play really hard with a pick. You know, if you if you've seen my YouTube channel before, you know that I am primarily a pick player. So I would say number one is aggressive. I play quite hard, whether it's slapping, uh, fingering or or picking. I I do it quite aggressively uh, to get that tone out of it. Hence why my tone works quite well with compressors and preamps uh, because I push it quite hard. So I would say uh, aggressive clangy i am a big fan of opening that tone pot wide open and having a nice trebly presence uh to cut through the mix whilst gluing it all together in the low end so aggressive clangy and a bit of a boring one i suppose is i'd say functional i'm definitely a bass player that plays to the means of the song i don't I don't really like it when bassists show off too much <laughs> in a song. It can really take me out of it. You know, as a bass player, I am I listen out for that kind of thing. But even to the average Joe, you're moving to the bass, aren't you? That's what the rhythm is. So you're in the rhythm section. Um, no one's dancing to the guitars. They're dancing to the bass, even if they don't know it. And so if it's getting really, 
uh, too complicated and going really high up where it doesn't want to be um i get distracted by that and i think the audience would too um so i i describe my playing as functional it goes technical and more interesting where the song demands it but mainly i like sitting in the pocket and uh you know serving the song shall we say and uh, that's why i wanted to call this podcast in the pocket because i thought that was pretty fun and it kind of describes my bass playing a little bit that was a very long-winded uh answer to that question let's move on shall we um so the next question i'm going to ask everyone is what is your number one bass now for me number one bass is a touchy subject really because since starting the channel i'd say i don't really have a number one I used to, my number one used to be this Fender Jaguar, which I loved and I really regret modding and then falling out of love with and selling. Uh, since getting the, since starting the channel, my kind of attachment to bases has loosened a little bit because I know that I could sell that, I could buy that, get that because it's for the channel. Hey, but that doesn't stop me from fundamentally loving some bases that I have. And so, Right now, I'd say my number one is my, uh, certainly for my band as well, Nova Mora, what I used in the recording, and what I'm probably going to use live as well, is the Sterling by Music Man Ray 24CA, which I reviewed, oh, probably coming up to like a year ago now. And yeah, that thing is incredible. I love music mans and i love stingrays the way that they feel the necks oh my gosh and the uh and just that classic massive magnet pole piece uh in those bridge humbuckers just you if you've been playing another bass for a while and you think yeah this is great and then you just go back to playing a stingray oh my like you it's almost like you don't know what you've been missing you're like oh how do how do i like anything else oh Every time I play it, it's absolute bliss. I've never had a bad tone out of that bass. Um, it just sings, and the clarity is mwah, chef's kiss. It's my number one, but I would like to get the next one up, I think. I think with Music Man basses and Stingrays, the higher you start going up, the, the better they do get in terms of like clarity and the pickups and, and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah. Uh, it's kind of a mid-price wa- range, mid-price range, mid-price range, uh, base, uh, you know, it's around, ooh, I think it's about 600 new, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's not too bad, but you, I think you get what you pay for, it's a great base. Anyway, moving on, um, is the last question, which is, why did you pick up the base? Why the base? For me, my story is very much like, I hate to admit it, but I was, I was a fail, I was a failed guitarist. I started out playing the guitar and I didn't really enjoy it that much. Um, my timing was good, but I couldn't do chords that well. And it's still something I struggle with today, to be honest, when playing the guitar. You know, I, I can I can play I can play a little bit of guitar, but but not like I can on the bass. Um, the bass guitar just made more sense to me, um, and I much more enjoyed the rhythmic part of it. I'm quite a percussive player, um, and yeah, I just really. F- fitted in with me more me more and um and some guys you know at the time it was that classic thing of i just started playing my friends were playing guitar they were looking for a bass player and then i just never looked back really i've owned a handful of guitars along the way i've always got one with me in my little setup in here but yeah i just 
that's where it all began and that's I haven't stopped since those are kind of the three questions I want to say they're quick fire but come on that they're, they're not really quick fire at all um, those are the questions that I'm gonna ask people at the start before going into your questions so leading up to me recording this I put out a poll on my Instagram which is where I'm going to be asking for all of these questions. So go and follow me at Johnny Dibble on Instagram and where you can submit your questions for this podcast, for the guests, uh, for me, for whatever. So our first question, the first ever question asked on this podcast quite a big one um that will probably answer a couple of times on here i think that because it's probably always going to change my opinion um and it is about signature bases if you could build your own signature base uh, what would you choose color style pickups hardware etc and this comes from youtube user wendell sunshine thank you wendell oh god i'm wheezing now you might inhale her. Hang on. So this has changed drastically over the year, over the years, and my what I like is always changing as well. Um, for me, I think it would have to be a precision base body with PJ configuration. Um, I think probably like a modern C-shaped neck. So not like a, su well, not like a super slim jazz neck, but kind of a midway between your 50s P bass and a uh, and a jazz bass. Like a nice comfortable, I want to say like a Music Man style neck, to be fair. That would be oh, beautiful. Um, in terms of specific pickups, I just think some, oh, this is all passive as well. I, I don't really want an active circuit, just all straight up passive no funny business um probably with some like seymour duncan quarter pounder type voiced pickups ones that can really handle a bit of dirt and some aggression uh and that can have that nice still have that nice mid-range growl that you get with a, a p-base pickup but then be able to blend in that bridge for a bit more presence because we all love a bit of presence we love in presence like it's christmas of course this is a four string as well i'm more of a a dark wood kind of guy <laughs> take that out of context i think i prefer like your power fairies and your rosewoods compared to maple especially on like a p base um i want to get as much warmth as i can and then add treble where i want with an amp or with a preamp or something like that i i don't really like bases that sound too trebly and then you have to make up for it with a uh, with low end i think that's much riskier game and so i would not want maple neck i think i'd go for a rosewood uh, fretboard sorry rosewood fretboard and then color Ugh, i totally go through phases in color at the minute well well here's the thing so my signature thing at the minute you might have seen it with the uh, Fender Mustang I did and my new jazz bass is having the pickup covers be different colors so having the P bass pickup be a cream and then the bridge pickup be black and then have a black scratch plate so there's like this contrast and then have the body like a natural or like a, an aged walnut or something like that at the minute that is what like oh, or shell pink come on you can't not like shell pink 
plucking motorbikes in the background. But yeah, I'm sure we'll get our guests in future episodes to answer that question as well because that is such a fun one and my opinion is always changing as well. But yeah, thank you so much for the question. Let's move on to the next segment, shall we? Now it is time to, like I said at the start, get the lowdown on the low end. What is happening in the world of bass? Here I've got three news items with me. Starting off with some new releases. We have finally got a look at the new basses from Harley Benton. That being the Marquise, Mar- Marquez, Mar- M- M- can't quite know how to say them i think they're called the marquez bases so that's what we're going to call them for the purposes of this i suppose um wow uh we've been waiting a long time for these and were they worth the wait absolutely not (laughs) i oh my god where where to start with these things so we've got some four and five strings i'm just gonna get a picture of them up on my phone whilst i talk into this um i've got really good opinion on harley benton but these are just missing the mark like we've got the four strings have got a pj configurate configuration configuration the five strings have got a dual humbuckers which i think is great i i'm not a huge fan of five string basses or pj i think humbuckers suit that five string that low b really well so i think that's a good decision but these are active basses i don't really like affordable active circuits that much um and (laughs) the shape of them if you haven't had a look i mean i'm going to be talking about the look of something on a podcast it's great you know audio format really helpful they look like a mix between I don't even know almost like a Stramberg mixed with an Ibanez mixed with a a a Dean mixed with a BC Rich I don't know man they they really the horns are too pokey out the finishes look great really cool um finishes on there but compare, compare that with the headstock I don't know they I've seen a lot of comments just saying like, oh, this is cool. Really not my thing, but cool anyway. Um, I think they really missed a trick with, by not making, they really, yes, yes, that is what I meant to say. They really missed a trick by not making these headless. The headstock looks real ugly on these, I think. Um, And if you just crop it a little bit, take off the headstock, they actually look all right. Like, it's not too bad. And even, maybe this started off as a headless, because the shape of the body, where it looks like it's got some kind of arch, like you're meant to put your leg there or something, like a flying V. Um, It looks like that would be the perfect place for the, you know, for the tuning pegs to go on a headless base, like you get at the bottom of the bridge. So I don't know if that started off like that, and then they've just kind of gone, ah, we'll leave, leave the body like that, that's fine. I don't know, but these... These definitely don't tickle my pickle. I'd love to try one. I'd love for them to prove me wrong. Harley Benton are great for proving people wrong, you know, but looks-wise, I, I can't say I would choose to <laughs> choose to don one of these. To be honest, I don't know why they didn't go for, like, a short scale or something. The short scale phase has been in for years now, and Harley Benton haven't 
released anything i'm really surprised normally they they like to jump on that and and offer something affordable market because think how many people want to try a short scale but don't want to fork out cash or like over 200 pounds 300 pounds for a squire just to try it out they would sell like hotcakes or you know come on come on harley benton just just give us a gibson ripper do it okay moving on to our next bit of news is laney don't hear much about laney in the base world they have just launched their digbeth line i love that name digbeth sounds very posh but i think it's about uh, something to do with birmingham um where they're based or come from i guess i don't really know the heritage of laney that much to be honest um, I've never really taken that much notice of them as a as a manufacturer for bass. Um, the Digbeth range has piqued my interest, if I'm honest. It looks really cool. So we've got a couple of heads in there, a 200-watt one and a 500-watt head. All the cabs you'd imagine that can go with it. And also a um, uh, like a preamp pedal as well, which is really cool. Um, if you're listening to this, Lainey, um, send it to me right now now right now please do it now okay thanks um so with the digbeth head that is what is the most interesting to me because i see lots of artists that i like endorsing it um aaron from while she sleeps the guy from dinosaur pile up as well like quite alternative bands that uh, produce tones that i would be interested in you know the dinosaur pile up tone for bass is great so if he's endorsing this i'm listening um and also like the the guy from Attila and from Skindred, I think, you know, some heavier bands that I wouldn't have thought I wouldn't associate with Laney. Uh, so, yeah, I'm really, really interested to see what the fuss is about. What's really cool about these is that, you know, they are solid state. Um, what's interesting about this is that it has a tube channel. These There's no tubes in there, but you can switch between um, your FET channel, which is totally solid state. And then to the tube simulation channel. And then, so you've got the option of doing that. And then you've got the option of blending the two. So you can kind of get the best of both worlds with the clarity of the, uh, um, what am I saying? The clarity of the solid state. And then the absolute filth and warmth from the tubes. I think that is something that really speaks to me as a bass player. Um, so I would be really, really interested in learning more about these and trying one because they look really cool as well. You've got all your preamp options on there as well and mid-frequency range and a tilt, a tilt knob. You know, I like a good knob and if it can tilt, great. Uh, the tilt knob basically can go from, it's like a high, a low end and high end balance knob almost. Like you just twist it all the way anti-clockwise for more low end and more high end all the way clockwise i think that's quite handy for just like tweaking on the go so if i'm in a room and i'm like oh it's a bit too boomy but i'll but i want a bit more presence i can just do it with that one knob i don't know i'd love to experiment with that but it's an interesting release anyway it's good to see that they're innovating a little bit and stepping their game up because i'm interested and the last bit of news is something that i hate to end on some sad news but it's really really sad news and you probably already know this already but in case you didn't it is the news that sadly mark hoppus uh has been diagnosed with cancer i don't know when this was necessarily i think i saw it pretty soon after the news broke um and 
yeah, obviously Mark Hoppus, the bassist of Blink-182, huge influence for, for all of us, I'm sure, particularly us uh, pop-punk lovers and, you know, people that love playing with a pick will obviously be inspired in some way by by Mark Hoppus. And, yeah, obviously all of our love from, from myself and the, and the bass community uh, goes out to Mark and, and his family and family and friends and, and all of those that are, are impacted but especially to you know to mark himself it's a it's a horrible thing to go through and uh yeah sucks man sucks cancer's the worst uh well <laughs> what a great way to end the news <laughs> fantastic Ugh. okay let's liven things back up by moving into another question This one comes from username Oscar I Toast. Oscar I Toast? Yes. Not is toast, just Oscar I Toast. At Oscar I Toast on Instagram. Thank you, Oscar. Um, this says, how important to you is being creative as well as satisfying your need for creativity? Whoa! I feel like uh, we're getting deep. We're getting deep on this first episode and you know I like to go deep. Um, as a bass player, I mean, of course. I've always been a creative person and I've always had something on the go, whether that be a business idea, a band, uh, you know, whatever. Um, I've always got something on my mind that I want to be working on uh, as, as like a side hustle. I love a good side hustle. Um, and, you know, YouTube is my current project, it is my side hustle, and hence why I'm starting this podcast. I love all forms of media and content and the production process behind it all. Pair that up with my passion for playing bass and music, it's like a no-brainer for me. Um, and I think that really came into play uh, for during lockdown. You know, a lot of people's passion, I'm sure a lot of people listening to this, will be missing live music so much. And that crave for creativity and showing that off on a stage uh, is is an, a feeling that you just cannot replicate in another way. Um, and so starting the channel was my way of having something creative to do because otherwise I would have gone mad. I would have gone blooming, blooming crazy sat at home doing nothing, maybe just playing video games. Um, and, you know, I love, I love, as much as I love sit down doing nothing, I can't not have something that I'm working towards. And so I feel like the need to satisfy my creativity through whatever medium is so, so important. Creativity is so unique to everyone that there's no one way of doing things when you're being creative. Um, I have not got a clue if that's answered the question, but there we go. There's <laughs> going to be a lot of that on this podcast, so prepare yourselves. Thank you so much for the question. Let's move on. So, moving on to the next segment. This one is called That Tone You Own. So every week I'm going to get our guests to bring along a tone of theirs and we can have a listen to it, review it, break it down, talk about what it's made out of, 
what they like about it, what they don't like about it. Because there's always things we don't like about our own tone. It's never perfect. That's why we like to buy lots of gear to see if we can get it better and better all the time. Um, so my tone, I'm playing through the uh, Sterling by Music Man Ray 24CA straight into the Cali uh, 76 by Origin Effects compressor, and then really simple, just into the Line 6 HX Stomp. That's what's doing the bulk of the uh, the amp simulation. And my fate, I really I only go between two amp sims on the HX Stomp. It's normally the Galleon Kruger one or the um, Ampeg one, and the Ampeg normally comes out on top for me, uh, just because got a bit more lows in there naturally, um, and always paired up with the 810 Ampeg fridge. So this is the SVT4 Pro amp. So. Let's just have a listen, shall we? So obviously that's that's with a pick and I play super hard and the compressor does a great job at bringing it all nice and level for me. Um, and so without the compressor, it sounds like this. So fine, but the compressor definitely just adds a bit of spice to the tone. So off, on. It's pushing it a bit harder whilst not like distorting it too much. It's just keeping it all controlled, which I really like and works really nice for slap as well. You know, maybe there's a bit too much gain on here naturally for that slapping. But if I turn the volume down a bit. The Lion 6 HX Dom obviously has loads of stuff on it and I don't use it to its full potential, I wouldn't say. Mainly I've just got it for the amp sim for when I'm recording all my reviews. And I use it live as well. Um, but not in the way that maybe you should. You can like split signal, send it out to other places, that's all fine. Um, but I haven't really experimented enough with it through my live rig yet because I've been, we've been locked down. We've been no gigs and hardly any practicing allowed. So it's just been at home really. So let's go into the distortion now. This is the Diana drive. And I don't know which this is uh, modeled after, um, but it's probably a guitar pedal, but it sounds great when you, I've got it on a separate channel on the HX Stomp so that the low end is kind of remained intact as much as possible. So this is how it sounds with the distortion. So I've also got, uh, so it's a really nice thick distortion. Obviously there are there's a Sansamp clone on here, there's the Ampeg Scrambler, and there's the um, Dark Glass pedal. But I just like doing this, to be honest, putting it on a separate chain and then, and just seeing what it can do. My other pedal, Compulsive Drive, which is the OCD clone. So let's have a listen to that. I love combining those two sounds.
Always gives it like a synth sound, which I really dig in recently. So EQ wise on that amp, boosting the mids a little bit um, and giving a a, uh, a bass and treble boost. I like, you know, your classic smiley face EQ with the mids scooped out a bit, but Music Man's are finding the humbuckers seem to, you know, have this natural mid scoop to them. And if it's too scooped, you kind of lose a bit of that uh, presence, I think. And so I quite like having it boosted just a little bit to, to stand out a little bit more. But yeah, there's my tone. Um, there's some things I want to change. I do want to maybe take the HX stomp off and put it, you know, just use it at home. And then I really want to get a smaller Sans amp and get maybe the Doug Pinnock uh, Tech 21 pedal because, oh my God, that distortion sound. So I do actually have the Sans amp on here now, but I kind of think with this tone, with this bass, it kind of takes it out a little bit. So this is without the Sans amp. Here's with the Sans amp. You know, I love a Sans amp, but at the minute, with this bass in particular, it's kind of already got that spice that I look for in a preamp that adds onto it. This is an active uh, active preamp on board, so you don't want to overload that signal too much. Um, even though I think the Sans amp kind of takes away a little bit there, um, I just prefer the sound of it without it, to be honest, that cleaner sound, which I think Music Man's, well, I keep saying Music Man's, this is a Sterling. You know, this is a 600 pound bass made in Indonesia. And yeah, I just think it really provides so much of that tone already that you don't need to add too much. So there we have it, moving on. So we've had a couple of questions already and every week we're gonna finish off the podcast with one of those questions, but we're gonna talk about it a bit more. So that is the big bass debate. The first ever big bass debate comes from Callum on Instagram at Callumord Music. Callumord? Callumord Music? I can't remember, mate. I'm sorry. Um, so, his question, thank you so much for sending in, says, uh, what's your opinion on high-end versus budget slash better value bases? Now, this is feels like quite a loaded question, uh, being that my channel focuses mainly on affordable bases. Um, and, you know, those that have watched before all know that that is my domain. That is where I dwell in the affordable market. I've ne I don't think I've ever spent over £600 on a base. That might change soon uh, with something I've got my eye on. But... I've just never felt comfortable parting that much money, even though it, like, this is my passion. And I I love value. I love getting value for money. I'm a very much a, a DIY person. I don't like paying for things. <laughs> and so if I can do it myself, I will. Or if I can get something to sound good at a good price, then I will. Um, I also think that a lot of tone comes from your hands. Um, and so I think that it's you know not as hard as you think to get an affordable instrument sounding good um just takes practice um so going back to the question opinion on high end versus budget and better value now there's no two ways about it like a high end guitar so you look at an american made for instance american made fender is going to be better than an indonesian squire 
there's no two ways about it. All the components are better. It's had more hands on it, you know, more actual people doing it. It's more handmade. It's got, you know, it's less mass produced. So there's more time to go through quality control. And you've got to think about that process of how these guitars are put together. Um, I do think, however, there is a certain price point where the, the value for money starts dropping off um, and then you start paying, you're just paying for the name, the country of manufacture and, and you know, the, it's, it's hard to explain all in one. Um, so I'd say that whilst, you know, if you had, you know, I'll use this as an example. If you had uh, an American-made instrument, all the components that you have for it, all those high-quality things, if it was mass-produced in Indonesia, it would cost probably half of what it does. It's the main thing that you're paying for is the name on the headstock, so, for instance, Fender, and then the uh, the how much the people are getting paid to make it. So... You know, people in the California factory are going to be on a lot higher wage than the people in the Indonesian factory. Um, and and how much they're mass producing it. It's going to be cheaper for them to pump out more of the affordable guitars than it is to do more of the expensive ones. Uh, so that's how they drive that price down. And so it's, it's an interesting topic. And I think a lot of people will instantly be like, no, I won't have anything that isn't American made or that isn't. Uh, handmade or over a thousand pounds or dollars and I do think that is a bit um, short-sighted maybe I don't like like hate elitism a little is that the I'm sure that isn't how you say it elite elitism no elitism I hate people I hate elitists <laughs> basically they will instantly poo-poo someone for having like a Harley Benton when actually they've never tried one themselves because they're too stubborn to to even give it a go or even consider it. I think that's just like how can you have a well-rounded view on bases if you if you've not tried those lower end ones. I don't know. Um, and appreciated them as well because we've come a long way in the last 10 years. The manufacturing process has evolved in such a way that we can produce such high quality stuff at affordable price even with things like inflation you know they're still driving that price down and maybe that you know isn't such a great thing for things like air miles and things like a workers rights you know if we're paying people less and less for what they're doing or we're using more machines to do it and employing less people that you know there are ups and downs of these things but if we are just talking about the quality of the instruments where it starts to <laughs> depreciate in value a little bit for me anyway what i think is around the seven the six or seven hundred pounds mark i don't quite know what that is in dollars but about seven to six hundred pounds you're gonna get a really good quality instrument anything past that you start just paying a premium for where it was made and you know who has who has made it at the end of the day uh so yeah that, that's just that's just my kind of view on that topic and i'm sure you guys at home will have various other opinions on that and that's fine that's fine all of this stuff is opinions it's not facts that's just what i think some people might have had 
amazing experiences only with expensive instruments and had terrible experiences otherwise you know there is something to be said with quality control as well where the more you mass produce the more likely it is that mistakes are going to get out whereas if you're getting handmade american stuff you're less likely to get a lemon so there is a bit of risk uh, that comes with more the you know the more affordable you get but yeah, I have I have confidence when buying from affordable manufacturers and I know what you're getting and I quite like work sometimes you've got to work around or I don't know, I'm just a bit weird to be honest. <laughs> but yeah, that is all we have time for now and I'm sure that this first episode is super bloated. Um, let me know uh, whether it be in a DM on Instagram at Johnny Dibble, whether it's a comment on YouTube or just a review of this podcast wherever you're listening to it. I don't even know where it's going out yet. Who knows? Um, let me know what you thought, maybe who you'd like to see as a guest host and maybe what other things you'd like to see on here. You know, these sections I've made up, they're not set in stone. I don't know. Let's make it up together. I want to know what you think, what you want to here slash c maybe maybe we'll have a video component who knows thank you so much for listening i nearly said watching then <laughs> in my youtube mode thank you so much for listening i'll see you next time Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.